Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. I'm going in a very different direction, um, even late this week, but I sense the Lord really wanted something different. So uh, I, I know I sort of default to the heavy, meaty subjects. I can't stand the thoughts of somebody leaving and uh, leaving a service that I didn't I didn't teach you something that you didn't already know, but but I, I realized this, and the Lord helped me feel better about it this way. I, I tell Valerie I love you multiple times a day. It's not that she didn't know that I love her. It's that when it's really important, when it's really foundational, sometimes we need to be reminded of it over and over again. And so today, I hope is some foundational, important stuff that maybe you've known, but in the midst of the seasons of our lives, sometimes we forget, okay? Here's what I know. A lot of you are hurting. A lot of you are sick. A lot of you are, are nervous or anxious or scared, confused. Some of you are struggling financially. Some of you are struggling physically or spiritually or relationally. It's, it's a crazy time that we're still trying to live through, still trying to push through. I thought we'd be through this thing by now. Clearly not. And there are lots of reasons for people to be anxious and to be nervous and to just be weary. Things are not okay in our world and in many of our lives. So today's message is how to be okay when everything is not okay. All right? So let's look at Psalm 34 verses 17 through 19. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. Is that not comforting already? The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Look at verse 19. The righteous person faces many troubles. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each and every time. Lord, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your peace, for your strength, and for your comfort that it brings. And God, today I pray that that you would speak words of exhortation, words of comfort and healing and strength and encouragement to your people. Lord, I am the under-shepherd. You are truly the shepherd of this flock. And and I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, be with your sheep today, that you would love on them and surround them with peace and courage in a troubling time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, listen, in, in too many churches across this country today, if you walk in feeling bad, you're probably going to walk out feeling worse because religion always comes with a healthy dose of blame and shame and finger pointing. You see, according to religion, if you're having trouble, it's because you're a sinner. If, things, if something's wrong in your life, it's your fault. 
because according to them, God doesn't allow bad things to happen to good people. So if bad things are happening in your life, according to their definition, you're a bad person. Some of you have even been told that or taught that at many different stages of your life. Let me remind you of the scripture that we just read from Psalm 34. The righteous person faces many troubles, many troubles. The righteous people do. The presence of trouble is not an absence of righteousness. It's not an absence of God's blessing. It's not an absence of God's presence. It's not an absence of God's favor. It's just life, y'all. Life is difficult sometimes, right? There, there are seasons. There's a season of planting and a season of harvesting. There's a rainy season. And unfortunately, there's a dry season sometimes. It, it, it's not always rainbows and unicorns for the child of God. It's not always glitter, people. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So for the next few minutes, let's just press pause on the blame game. Let's just press pause on the self-loathing and, and, and just accept that sometimes, yes, we suffer because of our own mistakes, our own flaws, our own failures, our own sins. And if that's the case, we know what to do. We repent. We ask God to help us change. But can we just talk about for the next few minutes the fact that sometimes stuff happens that we didn't cause and that we not, might not be able to fix? Can, can we be human enough to admit that sometimes life just gets heavy? So what do you do when things aren't great? How can you be okay when everything is not okay? So here's four very practical and honest reminders for you to keep. First of all, when things are not great, keep a spiritual insight. A spiritual insight. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting. Here's a spiritual insight that we all need to remind ourselves of. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I told someone, I had someone tell me this week, they said, my wife and I have felt like for a while that we've been under a spiritual attack. Listen, when things are not okay at your house, you have to remember the reality of spiritual warfare. Not everything is your fault. There is a spiritual realm and it really does affect what happens on this earth. Listen, not every earthly effect has an earthly cause. Some things happen in your life. Some of the heavy things that you might be dealing with right now, some of those things are evidence of the spiritual battle that's going on around you. You say, John, you were gonna, I thought you were going to help us feel better today. This, this, this doesn't make me feel better. Well, doesn't it make you feel better to know that A, it's not your fault, and B, there is something that you can do about it? Because when things are not okay, it helps to have this spiritual insight so you can know how to fight. 
Spiritual battles are won with spiritual weapons and spiritual tactics. So how do you know you're under spiritual attack? Well, for me, a big clue is either the randomness of things that are happening or the relentlessness of things that are happening. You know what I mean? Sometimes something will happen that is so out of the blue so it just it's so crazy that it stands out like there is no earthly explanation there was no real earthly origin it it doesn't make sense it doesn't follow any pattern of logic it's just a random storm that seems to come out of nowhere like a tornado on a cloudless day there is often that's often a signal to me that this is a spiritual battle or the other thing is, is, is when it's one thing after another after another. Like you can't even breathe. You can't even catch your breath. They're coming so fast. It's just relentless. And those are the times that I will often see that the enemy is at work. Now, why is that important? Because spiritual battles are fought with spiritual weapons. And if you don't know you're in a spiritual battle, you're not going to fight correctly. It's important to recognize spiritual warfare so you can get in the fight. And here's the reality. Even, even if whatever you're going through is firmly grounded in the earth, like in the choices that you've made or someone else has made, the mistakes that you've made, the devil is still going to try to exploit anything and everything he can against you. So at the end of the day, how do you know you're in a spiritual fight? Because you have a spiritual enemy who is bringing it at you every day. So almost everything is a spiritual attack in one form or fashion. So what do you do? You stand in the authority that you have as a believer. You pray. You pray according to the word of God. You pray according to the will of God. You pray in the spirit. You worship as warfare. You recognize that your problem isn't truly with the person that it may be manifesting itself through. We don't have any flesh and blood enemies. It's the, it, our problem is with the enemy of our soul and their soul. You have, to, you have to recognize that. That changes the way you fight. It changes the way you pray. It changes the way you look at the situation. And it gives you motivation to keep fighting. Why, why does it give you motivation? Because battles are never fought over worthless objectives. If, if, if that ground wasn't worth something, if it wasn't leading to somewhere, the enemy wouldn't be fighting you about it. If the enemy is fighting you, you are obviously on the threshold of something spiritually significant. So don't stop fighting. Keep up the fight. Listen, doesn't it make you mad when somebody tries to take something that belongs to you? Then, then buck up, man. Stand up. Don't let the enemy derail the plan of God in your life. Get your eyes off all the trouble around you and start fighting spiritually. There have been times where I recognize sort of in the, in the middle of a battle, I realize this is my problem's not my, my kids, it's not my wife, it's not, it's not even me. My problem is not my finances, my problem is not this thing or that thing. My problem 
is spiritual. And I have gotten up in the middle of the night and I have anointed my house with oil and I've prayed over it and I've prayed over my wife and I've prayed over my kids and I've prayed over everything I could find. I might have even prayed over the dog. I don't, I just, you pray over everything because you realize the battle is not a physical one. It has to be won in the spirit. So there have been times that I just got mad. I got mad enough to stand up and take the authority that you have to have in Jesus. So if that's the situation you're in, then stand up and fight. If you keep reading the scripture in Ephesians 6, and it referenced it in in, in verse uh, 11, there is spiritual armor. There's spiritual armor that helps you in your spiritual fight. There is a helmet that protects your thought life. So keep your mind focused on him. It's easy to get distracted. And we're going to talk more about that in just a second. But keep filling your mind with the word of God. A breastplate provides righteousness. And I know you're probably like me going, oh boy, I don't know how much protection my righteousness is going to be. It's not your righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus. Our righteousness is absolutely, I can confirm, our righteousness is worthless. But his righteous is an impenetrable armor that protects our hearts from attack. So hide yourself behind the cross of Jesus. Repent if you need to, but know that it's his righteousness that guards us. Then it says his truth wraps around us like a, a belt. It keeps everything in, in place. The truth that you are his and he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never abandon you. The spiritual armor that he gives provides peace and preparation for our feet to be nimble and strong in the fight. He provides faith to be our shield and the word of God to be our sword. He gives you his spirit to guide you in prayer and to lead you in the battle. So listen to me today. Things are not always going to be great in your life, but you will be okay if you keep a spiritual insight. No matter how bad it feels, He is always with you and he will lead you out of this season. Here's the second thing to keep. Keep a spiritual insight, but also keep a hopeful outlook. A hopeful outlook. I want to read you several passages of scripture now. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Don't worry about anything. Oh my goodness, could we like park there for a few weeks? Don't worry about anything. That's the first thing that you do when things go wrong, right? But the word says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Why? Because it's spiritual. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace. Could y'all use a dose of peace right about now? That's how you get it. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything and tell God what you need. Then you experience his peace which surpasses or exceeds anything you can even understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts because they're broken. Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Look at Proverbs 18, 21. I'm going to tie all this together in just a minute. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences one way or the other. 
Look at Numbers chapter 11 and verse 1. Soon the people began, this is the people of Israel in the, in the wilderness on the way from Egypt to the promised land. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship and the Lord heard everything they said. Oh, goodness. The Lord heard everything they said. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them and he sent a fire to rage among them and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Why? For their complaining. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. New Testament, do everything without complaining and arguing. 1 Corinthians 10 and 10. And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. That's referencing the passage in Numbers that we just read. Let me tie all this together for you. I heard a testimony of a man who had been a prisoner of war in a Vietnamese prison camp for a long time. It seems like something like seven years. And the person telling the story had, was interviewing him and they had asked him, how in the world do you survive that kind of torture? How do you survive being treated like that? What kind of person, what kind of mindset does it take to survive? And the, and the man said, listen, I'm, I'm really, I, I don't know how to answer that question, but I can tell you who didn't make it. I can tell you who didn't survive. It was the optimist. The optimist died quickly because they kept thinking, we're going to be out by Christmas. Oh, we're going to be out by Easter. And he said, then those milestones would come and go and we didn't get rescued and they just lost hope and they didn't make it out. You see, one of the biggest issues in going through difficult situations is hopelessness. It's easy to give up hope that anything will ever change. See, I almost call this point a positive outlook, but sometimes a positive outlook sounds like a denial of the reality or the seriousness of a situation. Philippians doesn't just say whatever's pure and whatever's good and whatever's happy and joyful. It also says whatever's true. True faith never requires you to deny reality. As a matter of fact, unless you are rooted and grounded in reality and you really understand what's going on, you don't even have a purpose for faith. You don't need faith if you don't even understand what's going on. You have to, you have to know where you stand. David didn't stand in the valley and say, that's not a giant. Moses didn't stand at the Red Sea and say, that's not really water. True faith is not denying the current reality. It's believing in a greater truth. It's saying, yes, that's a big stinking giant, but my God is able to give me strength to kill him. It's saying, yes, that's a deep body of water, but my God is able to part that water and make a way where there is no way. So hope is simply walking with the assurance that though the situation is difficult, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ask or listen or even think. So if things are not okay in your life, be sure to keep a hopeful outlook that God is still working. In the book of Daniel, we read the, we read the account of three Hebrew boys who were about to be thrown into the fire. And they kept a hopeful outlook. They said, listen, yes, that fire's hot. It's seven times hotter than any fire I've ever, ever been around. Our God is well able to deliver us out of this fire. But even if he doesn't, 
we are still not going to bow down. Listen, that's hope. And I love it because they had no clue how God was going to do it. They just knew he could. Remember, prayer is not about offering God suggestions on how to fix your problems. It's not. He says he can do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or even think. So why do we waste time in prayer trying to suggest to God a course of action for him? Prayer should be about surrendering our problems to him, trusting him to do it his way and in his time. And I've seen over and over again that his ways are so much higher and so much better than our ways are. You see, what happens too often when things get tight in our lives is that we either stop praying about things altogether or we follow up our prayers with a healthy dose of griping and complaining. We, we just read several scriptures about how God feels about griping and complaining. Griping and complaining, that kind of negativity is spiritual arsenic. It, it's poison. Complaining does two things in our lives. One, it cancels the prayers that we just prayed. And two, it's a gate that opens the door to the enemy to work even more effectively in our lives. How's that? Because you're telling him everything that really gets under your skin. You're giving him the playbook to your life. I am tempted to say that I have neglected many prayers with my negative words, but the Spirit checked me. Effective prayer, just follow me on this. Effective prayer, like real prayer, requires faith, right? So if your prayers are being effective, it's because your faith is genuine. And if your faith is genuine, then you're not going to turn around and speak doubt and fear and gloom and doom. More likely than not in my life, and I hate to admit this, but maybe it's true in yours too, our words of complaining and grumbling are more the true indicators of our spiritual condition than our prayers were. Like we might have faked the faith in our prayer, but the grumbling and the complaining is genuine. We have to guard our hearts so that we don't say, we don't pray prayers from a place of hopelessness. Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth's going to speak. So if you hear the grumbling and complaining coming up from your heart, then you, you don't just have a mouth problem, you have a heart problem. If we, we can't allow ourselves to pray prayers from a place of hopelessness. If we have no faith in God's ability and no hope in God's willingness to do so, it'll be nearly impossible to pray effectively. So what do you do? You do what your mama told you. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. What did she say? If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Stay hopeful or stay quiet. It's not fake it till you make it. It's more like confess it till you can possess it. You have to remind yourself what you believe. This word of God is water for washing. Washing what? Washing all the nastiness out of our brain. Washing the negativity out of our mouth. Washing that stuff away. So if you're having a hard time, don't keep this book closed. Open it and let it wash away the doubts and the fears and the complaining and the negativity and replace it with gratitude and faith and hope and confidence. 
It's one thing to have misery around you. It's an entirely different thing to let misery within you. This is what helps keep that out. You see, Moses said in the scripture that we read just a minute ago, I'm I'm setting before you two paths. Now, choose life, right? You can choose. We choose life by the words we speak. You know what? We choose life or death by the words we speak because the power of life and death is in our mouth. We can speak words of agreement with the faithfulness, the word and the power of the Lord to pull us through. That's where our hope comes from. Or we can speak words of death and doubt and despair. And Moses said, listen, y'all, choose life. Choose life. When David was in a particularly difficult time um, leading an army, he was in a difficult situation. His family his, and the families of all his men had been captured. Their city had been burned. All their belongings were gone. And, and the men were upset and were actually talking about killing David. And it says a really interesting thing. It says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Encourage is a word that literally means to put courage in. You put courage in. It's, it's intentional. It's an intentional act. And encouragement is usually spoken in the midst of a difficult situation. If it wasn't a tough situation, you wouldn't need more courage, right? So you have to intentionally put courage in. And the good news is you can be encouraged by someone else who speaks courage into you. Or you can even encourage yourself. You can put courage in. How? Read the word of God. Meditate on it. Speak it over yourself. Speak it over your situation. Don't deny the reality. Don't deny the facts. Just choose to have hope. Choose to believe God's truth over man's facts. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers them out of them all. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said, but I have overcome the world. There is a reason for hope this morning, and his name is Jesus. So if you're in the middle of a difficult situation, if things are not okay in your life, keep a hopeful outlook, even in the midst of a a bleak and dark circumstance. Here's the last two things real quickly. When things are not okay, choose to be others-centered. Others-centered. I want to read you this from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1 says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles. Did y'all hear that? Things are not okay at the churches in Macedonia. And they're very poor. But they're also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Did you hear that play on words? These very poor people are overflowing in rich generosity. Look at verse 3. Paul said, For I can testify that they, they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. For these people in the churches of Macedonia, things were not okay. They were poor, they were persecuted. They were struggling. So how did they 
cope with their situation. They found a way to focus on other people. They begged for a chance to give to other poor people. You say that that makes no sense. It makes perfect sense in God's economy. And it makes perfect sense in the midst of hard times. Because I know from experience, if you just sit around and, and contemplate your own situation and that's all you focus on, then that situation just gets larger and darker and stronger every day. If that's all you stare at, that's all you're going to think about. But if you'll get your mind off of yourself and get yourself up out of your situation, you will find a growing joy and a purpose that you didn't have before. And sometimes you might just find out that your situation isn't the worst thing that's going on in the world. That maybe you don't have it as bad as you thought you did. See, if things are not okay in your life, you have to resist the urge to withdraw into your shell. Get engaged in the work of the ministry. If, if, if you're sick, call somebody who's sick and pray for them. John, I don't even feel like... You'll feel better when you get done. If, you, if you're having a hard time, try to help somebody else who's having a hard time, even if they're not having as hard a time as you are. Because that's how strength arises. We have to be others-centered. There's, there, there's something that everybody can do. Even in the midst of a worsening pandemic, even though cases are spiking around us, you can still reach out and connect. We've got tools in our hands for connection that no generation has ever had. So let's use them for the kingdom of God and use them to help somebody else and yourself feel better. You'll find that when you love God by loving others, you get loved right back. And then here's the last thing. And Bree, if you'll come and play something, I want you to keep an eternal perspective. Keep an eternal perspective. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. We now have this light shining in our hearts but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. You ever feel like sometimes you're just going to break? Like you're just so fragile. Like if one more thing happens, I'm just going to crumble. And, and Paul understood that. He said, this makes it clear. Our great power is from God. It's not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles. But we're not crushed. We're perplexed. But we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. In that same chapter in verses 17 and 18, he sums it up this way. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. He, he said, in, 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 it said in the King James, our light and momentary afflictions. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze. You know, we had to fix our thoughts a few minutes ago. Now we have to fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now, all our troubles, all our tribulations, all our trials, they're soon going to be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. 
Matthew 6 and 20. Here's what Jesus said. Store your treasures in heaven. The King James says, lay up, lay up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. Listen to me today. There is nothing that you endure on this earth that escapes the notice and the record of God. He sees and he knows everything you go through and he will reward you for your faithfulness in every trial and in every tribulation. So when you, when you give, even when it's hard, when you worship, even when it's truly a sacrifice, when you serve, even when it's inconvenient, when you obey, even when it's painful, when you smile, even when you'd rather lash out, you are storing up treasures in heaven. God is taking notice and he is planning for you a welcome and a reward. The Bible says a glory in heaven that'll make all of these things that you've gone through not only worth it, but they will seem to pale in comparison to the generous, abundant reward of our loving and kind Heavenly Father. So if it feels like the walls are closing in on you and you, like Paul, are pressed on every side, you will not be crushed. It's okay if you're confused, if you're perplexed. Paul was, but he said, don't allow yourself to be driven to despair. It's okay if you feel like you're being hunted down by the enemy. God has never and will never abandon you. You might get knocked down. But while you're down there, pray and give thanks, knowing that you will never be destroyed because you belong to Jesus. You might get knocked down, but get back up. It's a challenging time to live and to lead. But hear me today, you're not doing it alone. You're not doing it alone have spiritual insight recognize what's going on that what's really happening you can't even see with your eyes keep a hopeful outlook trust that even when you can't imagine a way out that God can make a way where there is no way be others centered get your eyes off of your own problems your own situation and go help somebody else out and then keep an eternal perspective. Know that everything we go through is being seen and noticed and God is ready, readying a reward for you right now. You are going to make it. You are not alone. You are loved. You're loved by God with a love that cannot, that cannot be disrupted. It cannot be diminished. It cannot be taken from you. I love you. This church loves you. Listen, the season will change. Deliverance is coming. But until then, God is able to keep you in the palm of his hand. So I want you to be encouraged today. You can be okay even when everything is not okay. I want to pray with you right now. The most important thing I want to say to you is this. And I made reference to this a few minutes ago. If you, sort of as a last resort, 
decided to watch this broadcast today, I believe that you're here for a reason. I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe that you just sort of happened to watch this today. I want you to know that there's a God who loves you enough to have sent you to this time and to this place, wherever you are and wherever you're watching, to be able to hear the truth about hope and about peace. And I want you to know that that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is not just a good teacher. He was not just a wise man that lived 2,000 years ago. Yes, he died on a cross. Yes, he was crucified. But on the third day, he rose again and he lives forever. He is real. He is alive and breathing. He is eternally the Son of God. And I want to invite you to do as I have done many years ago. And that is have a relationship with Jesus. I can't tell you in 30 seconds how to do that. I want you to understand what you're doing. I want you to be able to do what Jesus said and count the cost. Recognize that this is not a magic prayer. This is not an incantation. This is not a spell that you cast upon yourself. This is a decision to surrender your life to Jesus once and for all, where he calls the shots and he, and, and he, uh, and he determines your steps. So I want you to know what you're doing. But if you have reached the end of your rope and you said, John, I've tried everything else I know, I'm ready to let, let Jesus have control, then I want you to surrender yourself to him today. I want you to recognize that you're a sinner. I want you to confess that to him and tell him the only way that you can be saved is by receiving what he's offering to you and what he did for you on the cross. And I want you to do that as we pray. If you already have a relationship with Jesus, I just want you to remind yourself of these biblical truths today and build your life on these things and be encouraged. And if you have questions, if we need to have a conversation further, if you want more information about how to have a relationship with Jesus, then I want you to get in touch with us. Our website is covenantlifewestga.org. There are ways to contact us there, emails, and there's a, there's a form to get in touch with us. We would be happy to talk with you. There's, we have Facebook and Instagram, all kinds of ways to reach out. Would you reach to us? We would love to have a conversation with you. But right now, let's pray and we'll close this service today. Father, we thank you for every person who's watching today, for these folks who came together in person today to help us provide this, uh, this service and this opportunity for people to hear your word and to have a chance to worship you. We thank you for every person. We thank you that each of us has a role to play, that each of us was sent here today um, intentionally by you. God, I pray that you, would, that you would save that person today who is lost, that person who does not know you, that you'd save them from their sins, save them from themselves, save, save them from completely abandoning hope. Save that person right now who is contemplating suicide. who has decided that things are so out of control in their lives, things are so not okay that they just don't even want to try anymore. God, would you, would you cut through the clutter? Would you cut through what may be a mental health issue? Would you cut through what may be a spiritual deception? Would you cut through uh, a, a demonic stronghold? And would you just shine your light of truth into their lives and save their lives right now? Lord, would you intervene in all of our lives? 
we confess, as Paul said in Romans 8, we don't, we don't always know how to pray. So Lord, we just ask that your spirit would pray through us today. Pray for us, that you would intercede on our behalf to the Father. God, I pray that faith would arise, that hope would arise, that love would arise, purpose would arise, and help us, God, to continue to push forward in the work that you've called us to do, that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus, and that we would see your love in our lives. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We're so grateful for every, everything. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.